thanks for this day. Lord, what a great day. Lord, literally, the text that we're in references that Hallel song. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, there was a day, some many hundreds of years ago, where you entered into the city of Jerusalem. And it was a day that was designed and crafted by you. And it was the day that the Lord had made. And so, Lord, we celebrate you in this place. We love you. We praise you. We pray, God, today that you would meet every need according to your glorious riches in Christ. And that you would bless our time together. And everybody asked this in the strong name of Jesus. And we said, Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, welcome. If today is your first day, we're glad you are with us this morning. We're glad you chose to come and worship with us. Jesus in the house. And so, so glad you're here. You are family. We say welcome home. We are Hillside, and we're glad you're with us. Let's take a few moments, meet and greet those around you, and we'll come back with our worship service in just a few moments. God bless you. Good morning. Still working on that muffin. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I have to have a glass of water with it. Or milk if we had milk. I've always been pushing for milk. If we could get the thing of milk, that would change the world. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You got to keep drinking. Stay hydrated. Campuses. 
which we have two, <laughs> all two of them, and uh, we're going to have a third one someday in the near future. But here's the scenario. We're opening up to the entire community. So we have extra invite cards. Take the ones that are on the seats around you. If you know someone who has kids, tell them, get their cool costumes on, come to the harvest party. It'll be a celebration. There's going to be, are you ready for this? Some candy, hallelujah, we need you to help us with some more candy, so bring some candy, you can put it up here on stage, and uh, you can do that over the next couple of weeks, and that would be helpful. Uh, also, want to let you know that we have uh, ministry opportunities to serve. At Hillside, really our heartbeat is, our heartbeat is that everyone who calls Hillside home, several things would be happening. Number one, that you would be falling deeper in love with Jesus, deeper in love with God. Can I get an amen? Yeah, we just want you falling in love with God, deeper. That's why we say loving God. Loving people. We want you to be engaging with people. Look at your neighbor and say, I have to engage with you. That <laughs> you would just get connected. And that's what life groups are about. And that's also what serving others gives the opportunity. If you serve on a team at Hillside, you're going to get connected. They almost operate like life groups. And so if you're not serving somewhere in serving your brothers and sisters here or serving somewhere outside with one of our outreaches, we're just encouraging you, hey, jump on board. And there's sign-up sheets even for the Harvest Party out there. We need some more volunteers for the Harvest Party. But let us know. You can sign up for any one of our, we've got welcome, the Welcome Zone, we have the Worship Zone, we have the Kids Zone. And in all three of those areas, there's spaces and places for people to engage. Can I get an amen? That was a puny amen. Can I get an amen? Yes. With heart. Hey, we also have this coming Friday night is our Wichita dinner. Woo! It's our Wichita dinner. Yeah. Okay, this is a great opportunity for us. We have been serving for four years our Wichita community and this outreach dinner, and it legitimately has become like a church service. It's epic. And I just want to encourage you if you have not participated, sign up. Plan to come out, love on some folks, serve. You'll even get some good food. You'll have great conversation around tables, and we're seeing people's lives transform. We're now serving some of those folks on a very regular basis. We've been fixing roofs. We've been doing all kinds of stuff. And so I just want you to know, that's part of our family. Can I get an amen? Yeah, so you coming out, and you you be a part of that. All right, so here's the change-up this morning. We're going to have our time in the Word of God on the front end of the service. Really because it gives me more time to... No, I'm <laughs> Thank you for that, amen. <laughs> That's good. Uh, really, this morning we're looking at John chapter 12, and in John chapter 12, the first eight verses, we are exposed to Mary. And we find Mary again at the feet of Jesus. It seems like every time we come across Mary, she's at the feet of Jesus. And I love that. It's a great posture for all believers, all whose hope and faith is in the Lord, that we would find ourselves at the feet of Jesus. And so today's message, really, if I were to give it a title, it would simply be worship. Worship. And so we're going to dive in and we're going to talk. And I, my prayer this morning is that we would have the Word of God transform our thinking, transform 
how we process and transform our hearts just a little bit more, right? You can come to a worship service and not be changed. But I would suggest to you that if you worship Jesus, you will be being changed. Are you with me? There's, there's some showing up, even in participation, I may not be having worship. I may be going through the motions. Have you felt that way before? Yeah, I've felt that way before. And I just want you to know sometimes if we go through the motions, our heart will catch up to our behavior, right? So we do that. But when we engage in pure worship, those who worship the Father will worship in spirit and truth. When we get and we find that space in that area and we worship the Lord, transformation begins to happen. Transformation begins to happen. And that's my prayer this morning, that there be some transformation. So let's look at these first eight verses. And by the way, if you are a note taker and you're a student of God's word, the Gospel of John, remember, remember the Gospel of John, it literally covers about 21 days of the life of Jesus Christ in his public ministry. So he, he was about 33 years old when he was crucified. So you can imagine if you did the quick math, 364.25 days a year for 33 years, you'd know how many days he lived on the planet, walked on the planet roughly. And the Gospel of John, his three and a half years of public ministry, which that's pretty simple math, it's about 1,200 days, covers 21 of those days. The first 11 chapters, which we might, if we divide the book into two divisions, the first 11 chapters cover about 14 of those days. And these last 10 chapters or so cover his last week, his death, resurrection, ascension. And there's some time, you know, in that ascension, right? Before the ascension, there were a number of days before that. But so it's, it's covering his week of passion. So we're actually, we're going to endeavor into some Easter before Christmas and before Easter 2020. So here we go. It says, chapter 12, verse 1, then six days before the Passover, Passover is on the 14th of Nisan every year. The 10th of Nisan, four days before Passover, the inspection of all of the lambs for the Passover, the sacrifice and the meal, Passover. So this is six days before, so this is the 8th of Nisan. Everybody got that? So this is where we're seeing his week here. So six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead, there they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Can you fathom what that might have been like? Lazarus was like dead for four days, and now he's sitting at the table. You imagine what Lazarus might have been talking about. Uh, incidentally, paradise. 
It's pretty cool. Everybody want to hear about that? I mean, this conversation must have been fascinating. You fascinated? Okay, here we go. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This he said not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box, and he used to take what was put in it. That's not the guy you want to be the treasurer. But Jesus said, let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you have with you always, but me you do not have always. We'll talk about three aspects of worship. Just three aspects of worship today. It doesn't mean this is inclusive like there's only three aspects, but there's three that I want to focus on this morning, very specifically. This story, by the way, this account of Mary and her worship of Jesus is given in three Gospels. It's in Matthew chapter 26, it's in Mark chapter 14, and it's here in John chapter 12. There is another occurrence that's not in Bethany, but rather up where Jesus was ministering in Nain, and there was a sinful woman who came and did literally the very same thing. Took a jar of fragrant oil and used her hair and her tears and wiped Jesus' feet. And that references another story and a scenario, and they have similar understandings and similar occurrences. So the first aspect I want to talk or share with you this morning is worship should be sacrificial. Sacrificial. There is a cost in worship. There's a cost in true worship. Okay? For most of us, it didn't cost us anything to be here this morning. Maybe a little extra sleep. It is your weekend. There could be a little bit of time. I'm an early bird. I was up this morning pretty early, 4.15. So it didn't cost me anything. In fact, I was excited about it. I couldn't wait. I love coming together and worshiping the Lord together. I love breaking bread with the opening of the Word of God and being together in this, in this setting. It's beautiful. But maybe you're like, ah, am I going to go? Am I not going to go? And there was just that like, oh, yeah, yeah, my week has been really long, and this is the beginning of my next week, and it's just, ah, whatever, maybe it's your time, maybe, maybe it's some other aspect. But you know, in spaces and places in the world today where people have come to worship, it may cost them their very lives. Our brothers and our sisters in spaces and places across this globe will get, literally go into a gathering like this could be the very threat of their lives. It costs them something to show up for worship. That's a big deal. I think it's healthy for us to be mindful of that. I think, I think it's healthy enough for us to be mindful of that that it prompts us to be regular on Sundays as the 
early church made it a priority to gather together on the first day of the week, every week, right? I said, that's what we did. Okay. Sometimes Jesus calls us to change. I think in worship experience, we have a tendency because we're making connection with the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. We're making connection with our Father who is in heaven. And we're having connection with the Spirit of God who lives in the believer. And when we have that communion, I believe that the Spirit, because I've seen it and known it in my own life, speaks to me in the midst of my worship when all other distractions are out of the way. I actually am clear to hear and... He often speaks about change, and that change can reflect a cost in my life. Does that make sense? And so, could be resources, could be my time, how I use my time. It could be my pride. Are you with me? Okay. It could be my abilities. We we use the phrase time, talent, and treasure. God wants to get involved that I would not necessarily be the one who's dictating how those are distributed and administrated, but that God would be the Lord, Jesus would be the Lord of my life. And that I would respond to him in obedience in these areas. In this situation, it's very, it's significant to me that she's been holding on to this alabaster jar for the day, if you will, or for the purpose of Jesus' burial. This, I mean, this is fascinating to me. Because the male disciples, this is a, a kudos to you gals out there, right? Are you ready for this? The guys were like, what, when are you going to set up your kingdom? And they're just missing all of the stuff that Jesus is going to be crucified, that Jesus is going to die, and there's going to be a burial. They're like, over their head. How many of us guys know what we're talking about? Like, I didn't understand any of that, right? <laughs> but the girls were perceptive, and they understood she got it. She got it. And that's, that's keen to me. So she has this very valuable oil that she's saving for a very specific point and purpose of worship that she's going to express to the Lord. The others, and it's interesting to note that there were a lot of folks that were mentioned, right? We got Judas Iscariot that was mentioned. We got Lazarus that was mentioned. If you see the other accounts, you'll notice that the disciples, they were all kind of talking about the value. It wasn't just Judas. I think Judas was the one who actually said something publicly. But the other guys were also engaged because it said they, some of them, the disciples. Right? We see Martha in this text as well. Right? And we know the encounter with Martha. You remember Martha and Mary? You know it as Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42, I believe. But Mary and Martha, they, Jesus came to their house, and Mary's at the feet of Jesus. And Martha comes from the kitchen, and she starts barking. <laughs> hey, Jesus, how come I'm like spinning my wheels in here, and Mary's in here, and she tell her to come and help. Jesus said, she's chosen well, right? Hanging out at the feet of Jesus. So we see these persons in this story, and the, the conversation goes about the money. This could have been done 
differently. This could have been sold and given to the poor. But Jesus helps bring the focus back in order. I love this. He said, you will not have me with you always. Worship is not about how we do it, but it's about who we do it with and toward and for. And it's about the presence of God. The presence of God. In the presence of God. And so, David said in the Old Testament, and you remember the story in 2 Samuel chapter 24, when they came to Arona's threshing floor, and David said, we, we want to make an offering and make sacrifice. And Arona came and said, hey, take the oxen, take the cart, break it up, make an altar, and offer it. It's yours. Use the land. It's yours. And David said, whoa, whoa, whoa. I will not offer to the Lord that which costs me nothing. So David purchased the threshing floor, he purchased the oxen, he purchased the wood or the cart, if you will, and they made an altar, they set up an offering, and he gave offering to the Lord, something that cost him something. Does that make sense? I will not offer to the Lord that which cost me nothing. It could, it, it could cost you your identity. Are you with me? If anyone will be my disciple, Jesus said, let him deny himself daily, die daily, take up his cross daily, follow me. There's a loss of identity. It's no longer about Dave. It's about Jesus and the kingdom of God. It's no longer about my kingdom, me, me, me. Raise your hand if you have a little me, me, me syndrome, right? <laughs> okay, good. I'm glad I'm not the only one there. I'm still dying to myself, and it isn't easy, right? If you've discovered that it's easy to die to yourself, could you come preach? It isn't easy. Dying to self, it could cost you your identity. David, again, King David, you'd remember the story in 2 Samuel chapter 6. They were going to bring the Ark of the Covenant into the city of David, the city of Jerusalem. So they go to Abinadab's house, and they loaded up Ahio and Uzzah. One of them was in front, one of them was nearby. They put it on a new cart, and they're bringing it along. And at one point in time, it was like the oxen stumbled, and Uzzah went up to stop it and put his hand on the Ark, and that was not, it was not proper. And his life was literally taken from him on the spot. And David was like terrified, but he was like kind of angry about it. Anybody here ever get angry at God, misdirected? Yeah, come on, don't leave me hanging out here by myself. All right, about seven of us, the rest of you guys, praise God, you're doing well. So David's upset, he's like, I don't even want to bring the ark into the city. I fear God, and we, we got to do this right. And so they sent it over to another guy's house. And it hung out there for three months. The Ark of the Covenant, and as a result of it being there, this guy's entire household was radically blessed. And they're like, David, man, have you seen what's going on over there? It's totally blessed. And David's like, well, praise the Lord, we got to get this to the city of Jerusalem. Let's get the Ark of the Covenant. And they went. And they did it with propriety and the properness and how it was supposed to be transported. And the scripture tells us that David twirled about with all his might. 
dancing before the Lord for the very presence, the mercy seat of God was entering into the city of Jerusalem. But you remember his wife, Michael, was like over here looking and going, what is David doing? This is undignified. This He's the king and he's out there twirling out, woo, having a good time, celebrate the Lord. And he's excited. Look at your neighbor and get excited for a moment. Just go, yes. Do something. Just, I mean, come on. Bring out. Yeah. I've seen some of you watching football before. You get a little more excited than that. It's like on the edge of your seat kind of stuff. David didn't care what anybody thought. He was worshiping God. The presence of God is entering into the city. Come on. And listen, the presence of God is here. That's right. The presence of God is here. How do we know that? You may not feel the presence of God. You may not see the presence of God. You may not hear the presence of God. All of which we have story after story recorded for us where those actually were physical, tangible realities in some spaces and places. But we know that we know because Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am also. The presence of God is here because he says he's here. The Father, he inhabits the praises of his people. When we worship, we, his, the, the habitation of God. The scripture tells us we are all living stones. And when we come together, we become the building or the dwelling place, which is the same Greek root word for the Holy of Holies. We become like the Holy of Holies, where the mercy seat was, and we become the dwelling place of God the Spirit. Thanks be to God. You're a living stone. Look at your, look at your neighbor and say, you look like a rock. <laughs> All right. Some of you are good-looking stones, and then there's the rest of me, right? Okay. I'm like, I'm like, no one looked at me and said, hey, you're a rock. They looked at me and said, dude, you're a dirt blonde. <laughs> you're a boulder. Okay. You and I have come into this gathering to worship God. What will it cost you? What will it cost you to worship God? Some of us, that change will be, God may be speaking to us, how we deal with our resources. You know the story of the church in the early, in the first century, in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 45, it talks about them coming together on the first day of the week, gathering in Jerusalem. They broke bread, they had fellowship, and they prayed together. That's why we do what we do, is the first day of the week, we, we break bread, the living word of God, Right? We have fellowship, we have prayer, and uh, it, all of those aspects that we, we want to incorporate. But it also says in there, in the next three verses after Acts 2.42, it says, no one was in need. 
In fact, so much so that those who had properties and possessions sold them. The money was given to the disciples and they distributed it as every person had need. kingdom of God is different than our kingdoms. He's calling us to change. It cost us something. We have a couple needs represented in this fellowship right now. And they're dying. Some, if there isn't resource, could land people homeless We know that I'll not be. Amen. Amen. The need, I can tell you right now, between two is about twelve to fourteen hundred dollars. That's big. But the resources are here. That's right. This is compelling. Bringing in the whole tithe. That might be different for some of us because we haven't been doing that. So, you know, it's interesting to me. I, I remember I, I used to be a 15% tipper. Are you anybody like, yeah, that's kind of where I was at? And then I got a little bit of chastising at one point in time by some folks that I was with. I'm like, remember, I used to be, I used to be a 10%er guy. I'm mean, just getting a 10%. It was really easy for me to do that. 15, and I had to like actually pause for a moment and think, okay, 10 plus 10 divided by that second one half. Okay, 15, there we go. Some of us are better to a person we don't even know in a restaurant than we are to the God of the universe. They gave us one hour of good service. He's given us a lifetime of great service. And we're just, we're not thinking that way. We should. There's kingdoms. We're not in need of money. I'm just telling you, except for there's a need, right? So we're just gonna we're just gonna pause for a moment. If God's calling you to do something, maybe today, even different. If there's just a little compelling, you heard that little voice. You can do something. Here. You heard that voice. I would suggest to you that that actually might be the Holy Spirit speaking. Does that make sense? Someone's wondering. Well, God never speaking to me. Well, He may have just prompted you. So we're just, we haven't received offering this morning yet, so we're just doing it in the middle of the sermon. Can we do that? Everybody said, Amen. Amen. Yeah, because this is joyful. God loves a cheerful giver. Ha, 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 ha. Remember that? We used to sing that song. Anybody else sing that song besides me? All right, six of us. That's great. Children's Church. <laughs> uh, ushers, if you just come forward at this time, we're going to continue the message, but our brothers are going to serve, so we're going to pray. And then our brothers are just going to pass the plate, and uh, we encourage you to bring in your whole tithe, and we encourage you to bring in alms, and we encourage you to bring in uh, offerings for the furtherance of the gospel and mission. I know we're mixing it up a little bit this morning. Hopefully none of you get messed up about this. Father, we love you, and we praise you, and ask God that today you speak to our hearts. 
And Lord, we would bring in not only the tithes, but God, today we'd bring in alms. We would be thinking beyond. Lord, we wouldn't convert our tithe to an alm, but we would just, we'd say, Lord, I'm going to do a little more because you're speaking to me. And I see this transformation happening even in our time of worship as we study the word of God. And I want to do a little bit more. And I want to be a blessing. And so, Lord, be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, if you do that, you can just mark it benevolence, you, you, and it'll get in the right spaces and places, and we're thankful, and thank you for that. So that first, it's sacrificial. The second is it's spiritual. It's spiritual. Now, what I mean by spiritual, it's Jesus-centric. Jesus-centered. Focusing on the Lord. I was going to use the word substantial. Because it has substance as its root word. And the substance of our worship, the focal point, Jesus. The, the purpose of worship is what? To exalt Jesus. To exalt God. Amen? Listen. God says of himself. He says in Psalm 138 verse 2, the second part of that verse, it says, You... God, you have exalted your word above all your name. Who's the word? Jesus. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. And the word became flesh and both among us. Jesus, God has been exalted above all. Jesus has been exalted above all his name. Has Jesus in my life been exalted above all my name? Is he the substance of my worship, or am I sometimes still the subject of my worship? Me, 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 right? I mean, anybody here, like, when things aren't going, you're like, we complain, or we talk about, anybody ever talk about somebody else? Raise your hand lowly like this one. Occasionally I do, I don't want to admit it, but I'm not going to. And sometimes when we do, we're actually, the things that we say about other people, we're inferencing that, well, I wouldn't behave that way. I'm better than that. Me, 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 me. Look at me. Are you with me? Right, so we got a lot of me still in us. We're, and we want to die to that stuff daily. We want to, you know, let Christ become the focal point of our worship. But it's sometimes the substance of our worship is us. The purpose of worship, true worship, is to exalt Jesus. For you and I to be reminded of his grace, his mercy, his love, his goodness, his kindness. All of those just epic things that Christ is in our lives. You know, worship that is Jesus exalting, we see it in the playing of instruments, the singing of songs, sermons. We see it in the service of others. We see it in so many, many ways, prayers. But again, it's not the form of our worship, but the object of our worship. You know, Martha was being criticized. I mean, even to the point where she used her hair. It was a disgrace for a woman to have her hair down publicly, and she brought her hair down to wipe his feet. There's criticism, and again, it's about the method. And it's interesting, the folks that were criticizing, right? It was the disciples. Form, not object. She's worshiping Jesus. Uh, it's interesting that 
Martha, the scripture in the text tells us they made a meal and she was serving. Lazarus was sitting at the table. People weren't, people weren't doing things. And so Martha, or Mary, she was. She was. Jesus being the substance. I love that he helped with the refocus again. So it's spiritual. Let's, let's move on. Finally, I just want to, I want to reference that the third aspect, the worship of Jesus, true worship, would be sustaining in our lives, sustaining in our lives. I can think back in my own life, many occasions where I've had what I would call, you know, a true worshiping moment where there was a transformation piece happening in my own life. And they become milestones. I can look back and say, I remember when. I remember when. I remember when. I remember those moments. And I want those moments to be more frequent. Because I, I really want my public worship when we gather and we sing songs together and we bring our whole selves in and we raise our hands and we worship God for who he is. I want that to actually be a reflection of the overflow of my private and personal worship of the Lord. Are you with me? That private and personal worship. What does your private and personal worship look like? Sometimes it's when I'm studying God's word and there's something that's revealed to me. That transformation needs to happen like right now. Sometimes it's just conviction of sin. Right? I know I'm Maybe living for myself here, and the Spirit of God reveals something, and I go, oh. And maybe only one other person on the planet, if anyone on the planet, even sees it. Sometimes my wife might notice a change or a transformation. She says, yeah, I noticed that about me. Yeah, well, the Lord spoke to me, you know, a little while ago, and I've been working on it. And so we can encourage one another in those times and spaces and places. But it's beautiful. We see in this story, it was the breaking of the spike guard, the alabaster jar, and it was on Jesus' head, on Jesus' feet, and she uses her hair, and where did that fragrant oil go with, where did it go? When she left, the fragrant oil was still in her hair. It's a sustaining kind of thing. It's going to carry with her, and others will experience because of the worship. When Jesus left, where did that fragrance go? It went with him. That's fascinating. He was receiving that as pure worship. I think of those times that there's been transformation and then the next time that happens, <laughs> I, was doing, I was doing a project, and uh, I'm like, how many of you used to watch Home Improvement? That's my life with tools, okay? So, and I think I'm actually good at construction sometimes. And then I'm reminded that I'm not. So my wife went on the ladies' retreat and uh, called my sons, and my son-in-law, they came over, we remodeled our bedroom, and you might have seen a few pictures on Facebook. It was halfway finished. 
because I waited until she got home to do the rest of it. Like she said, you did a good job. And then I said, okay, we'll wait for the rest of this project to get done. So you think it will never happen, right? And uh, that's got the story of my life. I'm an 80 percent. I get an 80 percent done, and then I'm done. And uh, it's like not actually done. So anyway, in this project, I needed to change the blinds. We've had these blinds since we bought the house 20 some odd years ago, and the dust that's on the blinds is from about 20 years ago. Anyway, that's, we actually dusted our Anyway, all that to say, it was time for those nasty things to come down. And so I bought, I just bought the opaque blinds that you pull down that have a little spring-loaded thing on them. And we had those behind the blinds so we could make our room real dark anyway, because there's a street light right out there. And uh, so I left the old mechanisms up there that had been worn out. I put the new blind in. That's a bad idea. <laughs> Because that spring is new. And it's like, yeah, baby, I got power. And I pulled that thing down, and when I let go, and it jumped off the track, jumped in my hand, the thing completely unrolled. And the first thing I thought to do was, oh, hallelujah. Pretty sure that's not what was the first thought that came to my mind. Because that wasn't the first thing that had gone wrong in the project. So all that to say, I, I've had moments where there's been transformation. And the old man that wants to show his ugly head doesn't always show up. I love my wife because this morning, I still haven't changed all the hardware. <laughs> And she pulled the blind down. <laughs> and the whole thing just came out and unraveled on the ground on her. And she goes, oh. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, you're supposed to have like a reaction. <laughs> Come on. But there's been transformation. And she she like was never uptight about things anyway. And then she has this Jesus moment. <laughs> she just I'm like, ah, did you want the blind down or up? She says, well, I wanted it down. And I go, okay, so I roll it up and I put it in and I got it, you know, to stay. Well, she kind of put it back up there and then the whole thing unrolled completely because the spring was wrong and it just, <laughs> and this was, and she just turned around and walked and looked at me and I'm like, okay, I'm on it. And I rolled it up and I got it, and got it right. But all that to say, there's a lasting. I can look back and say, I know what Dave would have done last year, the year before. But I've been in the presence of Jesus. And I'm not the guy I used to be. Because there's been change in my life. He's changed me from the inside when it comes out. And that happens to me in moments of worship. And here's the beauty of worship. Paul helps us define what worship is. And I'm going to invite the worship team to come at this time. Paul, Paul tells us about what worship really is. He says in Romans chapter 12, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you offer your lives. So what's the cost? Your whole life. It's not, it's not just the tithe, right? It's like the whole, the whole shebang. The whole inshabah. Right? <laughs> it's the whole thing. It's our entire lives. Offer your lives as living sacrifices holy and acceptable to the Lord, for this is your reasonable service. This is your spiritual worship. 
So it's not just moments where we come into a gathering like this and we worship in song. Somebody asked, somebody asked the question, well, how long is your worship service? 168 hours. It lasts from Sunday till Sunday. It's the whole life. Our, our, our services don't earn an hour and a half. I mean, the gathering is an hour and a half, but our worship is 168 hours a week. Are you with me? I do want you to know that means you can sleep during worship. Praise God. Praise God. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Not the gathering. No, don't sleep here. Even our even our spiritual can I get an amen? Now, if you're lazy and you're sleeping more than you should, well, someone needs to give you a swift kick in the hindsight. So let's. Let's, let's set aside that Judas mentality It's about this kind of stuff and we should be doing this stuff and recognize Jesus' refocus. I'm, I'm the focus. You're not always going to have me with you. And in the, in the presence of God, we fix our eyes on Jesus. Let's, let's, get rid of, let's get rid of this idea that somehow busyness is a segue to get past personal time in the feet of Jesus. We need that. Everybody looks at we need that. Can I get an amen? We need that. I'm going to invite you to stand with me this morning. Our worship, our worship, and we're going to enter into worship now. We're going to worship the Lord for over the next 25 minutes or so. About quarter after. Sacrificial, I'm going to invite you. Uh, maybe, maybe invite you even to move around a little bit. Maybe, maybe those of you who are toward the back, you might want to move toward the front. And maybe that whole line of young folk in the back, come on, come on forward. And let's let's press in. We're going to dim the lights. And we're just going to invite you. Let's press in and worship the Lord. Let's let's navigate. It's sacrificial. It, there's this idea that it's spiritual. Jesus-centered. Let's fix our eyes upon Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith. And it's sustainable. Let's be listening for that transformational work that God wants to do in our hearts and our lives. Maybe while you're worshiping, the Lord will speak to you even about one of those needs, and you say, well, I need to do something better. Or maybe it's something else entirely. Maybe it's your life. Maybe God's calling you to go on a mission trip. Maybe God's calling you to go and be a missionary full-time. I don't know what it is. Maybe God's just telling that you need to be more open with your faith in the workplace. Maybe more open with your faith wherever you are living in your neighborhood. And that you recognize it's going to cost you something. But the, the gain is so much greater because it's obedience to the Lord. Let's worship the Lord together. Pastor Dennis, please, would you?
Oh, oh, oh. 
Yeah. 
We had church. Uh, Lord, uh, I thank you for the word that you, you gave Pastor Dave this morning about worship. And I pray that worship would be felt every day, 24-7, with us. That it doesn't begin here on Sunday morning. That we come Sunday ready. We're excited. We're ready to go. And we're prepared, Lord, spiritually, so that we can enter in immediately and allow you to do the miraculous. That's what we want to experience. And we're saying, yes, Lord. Amen. Amen. Lord, as we go, may we be excited and thrilled about what you're doing and going to do this week. May we think and look for opportunities to share you with others. Thank you, Jesus. In your son's name we pray. Amen. 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 Have a wonderful afternoon. Just through this table or like Jesus in the temple. <laughs>